Good morning, everyone. Good morning. Welcome to First Baptist Church, Southern Springs. I see a lot of new and unfamiliar faces here. It's good to see the pew still. Uh, we're going to start our service this morning with a song, so if you guys would like to rise, uh, we'll have the words up on the screen for you. Let's worship this morning. Is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. And on Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. When darkness fails his lovely face, I rest on his unchanging grace. In every high and stormy gale, my anchor holds within the veil. On Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. His oath, his covenant, his blood supports me in the whelming flood. When all around my soul gives way, he then is all my hope and stay. The solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand, all other ground is sinking sand. When he shall call with trumpet sound, oh, may I then in him be found, dressed in his righteousness alone. Faultless to stand before the throne. And on Christ the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. Amen. Give God the glory this morning. Hallelujah. Good seeing everybody this morning. We do have quite a few folks that are down at the coast this weekend, so we need to keep them in prayer that they get back safely, but they're also having a good time. Isn't it great we serve a God who can be here and there at the same time? Amen? Yeah. Praise the Lord. we got folks traveling everywhere and, and doing this, that, and the other, but we serve a mighty God. So let's go to Him in prayer this morning. Father God, I thank You this morning for who You are and what You are and all the many blessings You've given us, Lord God. We've had a a great breakfast this morning in Sunday school class and fellowship. It's just been a, a great day already. And I look forward to what you're going to pour out in the later part of this day. As you open your heavens windows and just pour out your blessings upon us. I pray that we will open our hearts, open our minds, and put our eyes fully and squarely upon you this morning. And may we worship with such a heart that you can look down and, and be, be proud to say those are my children down there in Southern Springs. God, may your will be done 
as we lift up your name. May you be glorified. May we be added. May thy will be done, Father God. In Jesus' holy name we pray. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. If you, if you like being God's house this morning, say amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Walk around a second. Shake somebody's hand. Give them a hug. Just tell them it's good to see them in God's house today.
got his foot hung into the clutch on his tractor or something like that. The tractor started. Uh, it pulled him off. He fell, and the tractor ran over him yesterday. Um, but the great thing is that when he was in the ER, he was still laughing because I, I said, I said something to the effect of, "That would even hurt a young man." He said, "Who are you calling old?" You know, so he's he still had it going on. Uh, but the great thing is there was no broken. They were worried about broken ribs. No broken ribs. No internal bleeding. Uh, he is. They said, "Thank God for sand and God for running through." So he's sore. He's bruised up real good, and uh, he, they're at home today. So if you think about it. Write that on your prayer list. Be praying for Ted to, to get feeling better and get up and get around. Uh, the, the doctor put on his, his exit or, uh, discharge orders. Stay on top of the tractor next time. <laughs> um, so he is uh, he's at home. He's healing. But keep lifting him in prayer. That's, that's a pretty major thing. He ran from his leg right across his abdomen there. So it's, uh, he's sore today. Um, the only, only announcements I'm going to add here is uh, in your, we have been leading up to for over a month, so no one can say they forgot. Therefore, I'm going to continue to do so right now. May 6th is our large spring work day. I want to encourage everyone to, to come and be a part of our work day. Pressure washing the entire sanctuary, the whole church, so that we have a painter going to come in and paint everything. We're going to try to replace the wood that's that's getting uh, uh, rotted and things in the front and windowsill. There's things that just need to be fixed and painted. That May 6th, I would like to get everyone here because we've got lots of uh, programs, a lot of things we want to do. We've got a new ice maker we want to get piped in. We're uh, putting in a new sub-panel over there for the new air conditioning that's going in, uh, trim, paint. There's lots of things that needs to be done uh, that we could use. It, this is the time of year when we go in English oil, the pews and such for spring. So cleaning fans. I don't want you to say, well, there's nothing I can do. I'm sure if, you, if nothing else, you can come and sit in a chair and encourage those of us that are doing other things. Uh, I want to encourage you guys to come on out May 6th and, and, and have a great day. It's not just a work day. It is a work day. But, guys, we have a fun time. We, we fellowship one with another, and it's, it's a good feeling when you go home at the end of the day Saturday and you know you worked on God's house all day, that you did the things that needed to get done there around the little church. So I want to encourage you. We got, if we get... There's no such thing as too many people. There's lots of things that need to be done. The sheds need to be painted. We're adding, talking about adding on to one shed. I don't know if we'll get there, but, but we got lots of stuff that needs to be done. So I want to encourage you. Also, too, that same day, the youth are going to be presenting a garage sale to help uh, earn funds towards summer camp. So, again, if you have something you would like to donate to the yard sale, uh, get with, with Carla for now, I suppose, since Corey's not here. Get with her on that if you've got things you want to donate to the garage sale. And also, too, if you want to just be praying up for those kids that are going to be working the garage sale and wanting to go to summer camp and such. So that's May 6th. It's coming up real quickly. The only other thing is we've had several VBS meetings. If you have yet to get with Ms. Carla and would like to work with Vacation Bible School, and you may sit thinking, well, that's a long ways off. Nope, it's, first, it's in June. It's not that far away. Get with her and let her know that, yeah, I'd, I'd like to be a part of Vacation Bible School and see what she can do or where she can put you or what you would like to do. So Vacation Bible School, keep that in your prayers. Keep Ted in your prayers. And write May 6th down on your, your, your uh, planner, your phone, however you do it th- these days of technology. But let's see everybody here on May 6th. And I think that's enough announcements, Chris. You want to? Oh, and Bob's not here as well. He's having to work out of town, so Chris is... By, well, you're not by yourself. You got the Lord with you, right? Amen. Okay.
take it. Get my mic on first. There it is. We're going to continue our service in song this morning. If you guys want to stand, again, the words will be on your screen. They're waving a paper at me. I, I understand that, that there was something that was supposed to happen, but we've changed that order. Uh, so hold tight. We'll get there. Uh, love lifted me. I was sinking deep in sin, far from the peaceful shore, very deeply stained within, sinking to rise no more. But the master of the sea heard my despairing cry, from the waters lifted me, now safe am I. Love lifted me, and love lifted me, when nothing else could help. Love lifted me, love lifted me, love lifted me, when nothing else could help, love lifted me. All my heart to Him I'll give, ever to Him I'll cling, in His blessed presence live, ever His praises sing. Love so mighty and so true, merits my soul's best songs. Faithful, loving service due to Him belongs. Love lifted me, love lifted me. When nothing else could help, love lifted me, love lifted me, love lifted me. When nothing else could help, love lifted me. Souls in danger, look above, Jesus completely saves. He will lift you by His love out of the angry waves. He's the master of the sea, billows His will obey. He, your Savior, wants to be, be saved today. Love lifted me, love lifted me, when nothing else could help. Love lifted me, love lifted me, love lifted me, when nothing else could help. Love lifted me. It's okay to clap. You didn't need my permission. All right. Praise to the Lord, the Almighty. Praise to the Lord, the Almighty, the King of creation. Oh, my soul, praise Him, for He is Thy health and salvation. And all He who hear now to His temple draw near, praise Him in glad adoration. Praise to the Lord who o'er all things so wondrously reigned. 
shelters thee under his wings, yea, so gently sustaineth. And hast thou not seen how all thy longings have been granted in what he ordaineth? Praise to the Lord who doth prosper thy work and defend thee. Surely his goodness and mercy here daily attend thee. And ponder anew what the Almighty can do. If with his love he befriend thee, praise to the Lord, oh, let all that is in me adore him. All that has life and breath, come now with praises before him. Let the amen sound from his people again. Gladly for I we adore him. First verse. Praise to the Lord, the Almighty, the King of creation. Oh, my soul, praise Him, for He is Thy health and salvation. And all He who here now to His temple draw near, praise Him in glad adoration. chapter 18. At that time, the disciples came to Jesus and said, Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Then he called a child unto him and had him stand amongst them. He said, I assure you, he said, unless you are converted and become like children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever humbles himself like this child, this one is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And whoever welcomes one child like this in my name, welcomes me. But whomsoever the downfall of one of these little ones who believe in me, it would be better for him if a heavy millstone were hung about his neck and he were drowned in the depths of the sea. Folks, you've heard me explain it many a time, and I'm going to do so again real quickly. Baptism is not what saves an individual. This water is not magical. What a baptism is, is a public expression. It is an outwards expression of an inward change. It is telling the world that I've accepted Jesus Christ into my heart and into my life and into who I, and what I am. Some people do that in, later in life. Some do it earlier in life. Now, I share this for that, that for this reason. I am rather hard sometimes to, to get to a point where I feel comfortable baptizing children and young children for this reason. 
when they hit their teenage years and the world comes against them, they find themselves in their Egypt or whatever it may be, if, they, if it wasn't real, did it, did, was there something that caused them to now start to debate? If it wasn't real, they may never come back again. They'll know the right things to say, and they'll debate with themselves, and there was never, no, never a true salvation experience. For that reason, uh, when Olivia first came to me a few weeks back, I talked to her, and she had the right answers, but in my spirit, it just wasn't, there was something there I wasn't quite sure about and prayed about. Well, as of last week, when Olivia came to me again and said she wanted to be baptized, that she had accepted Jesus Christ as her Lord and Savior, we talked after services last week, and maybe you can come on in. I talked to her, with her after services last week, and looking into her eyes, I wasn't getting the indoctrinated answers any longer that her school had taught her. I was getting the answers that I felt like was truly coming from her heart, that she went beyond the mental and truly had allowed it to take root into her heart. For that, that's why you don't see me normally baptize little ones like this. In fact, can you even see her out there? <laughs> I almost made the water too deep. But Olivia, as of last week, or actually a while back, she accepted Jesus Christ as her Lord and Savior. But last week, after talking to her after service with, with, with uh, uh, her parents and just, just with God and prayer, I truly feel as though this is what we are supposed to do this morning. And if I feel that way, if the Lord's laid that on my heart, then who would I be if I did not, if I became the one to hamper this little child coming on to me? Amen? Amen. So Olivia is coming this morning to you guys to tell you guys to make a public expression. So Olivia, do you accept have you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Say it, say it louder. Amen. Alright, you can cross your arms, baby. So Olivia, my little sister, you know I can call you my sister now? Can I borrow 20 bucks since you're my sister? <laughs> She's nervous. She's nervous. So, Olivia, baby, I baptize you, my sister, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. You want to hold your nose? Down with the old and up with the new. A new creation in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. Let's get up here so they can see you. Praise the Lord. Brother Rod, where's Rod at? Rod, do you mind praying for her right now for me? Thank you for this tremendous moment in Olivia's life. We're just, the words are beyond me to express how grateful we are to you for the blessing that you bring. We thank all the people that are here and watch over her as she goes forward. In our Lord Jesus' name, amen. Amen. If you wasn't here last week and got her to, got to hear her recite her memory verses, you need to get her after church to do that. He'll convict you. Get on it yourself. Amen. And it's okay to hoot and holler in church, by the way. Somebody gets baptized before. Amen. Amen. continue our service and before we do the next song we're actually going to do our scripture reading now i've confused the people in the back because we usually do our scripture reading before the songs but we're doing it now 
So if you go ahead and put up the scripture uh, that I gave you, uh, this is in Acts 16, um, and I'll read it here for you. It says, about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly, there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the jail were shaken, and immediately the doors were opened, and everyone's chains came loose. When the jailer woke up and saw the doors of the prison open, he drew his sword and was going to kill himself since he thought the prisoners had escaped. But Paul called out in a loud voice, Don't harm yourself, because all of us are here. Then the jailer called for lights, rushed in, and fell down trembling before Paul and Silas. Then he escorted them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? So they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. So I don't usually do songs like this. Um, I'm not much of a country music fan. Forgive me. I'm really sorry about that. (laughs) Uh, Don't let the shirts fool you. Um, Never been much for country styles of music. But this particular song and the happenings today with Olivia being baptized, uh, I think were very appropriate. The song is called Chainbreaker. You guys can sing it with me if you like. Uh, it's a new one for most of uh, most of the church here. We've never sung the song together before. If you've been walking the same old road for miles and miles. You've been hearing the same old songs, same old lies. If you're trying to fill the same old holes inside, there's a better life. There's a better life. If you got pain, he's a pain taker. If you feel lost, he's away. Maker. You need freedom, saving. He's a prison shaking savior. If you got chains, he's a chain breaker. We've all searched for the light of day in the dead of night. We've all found ourselves worn out from the same old fight. We've all run to things we know just ain't right. There's a better life. There's a better life. You got pain. He's a pain taker. You feel lost. testify 
Thank you for this opportunity we have to gather in your house this day, and you are that chain breaker. May we break the chains that's held us to our old ways and allow you to create the new. In Jesus' name, amen. You can grab a seat this morning. Hallelujah. It's a good day to be in God's house. Amen. If you have your Bibles this morning, turn to 2 Thessalonians. 2 Thessalonians. This is a... The sermon the Lord laid on my heart this morning is one I don't know if I've ever, a topic anyway, I don't know if he's ever had me preach to before. And it may be one that tends to, every sermon should in one aspect or another, step on our toes, quench, you know, uh, grab a hold of the Spirit within us somehow. But this morning may be a little more so than normal, possibly, I don't know. However, it's something that I think each one of us needs to adhere to, and some, each one of us needs to to listen to at times. The Bible warns us, I think I said turn to 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, that's where we're going to be, 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, but the Bible warns us about the deadliness of laziness. How being lazy is not a thing that we are supposed to do. The laziness, some people have said that, that laziness in the brain, brain laziness is the devil's workshop. Now I know we've heard idle hands are the devil's workshop, but I like that saying. I think our minds being idle and doing nothing tends to be the devil's workshop as well. We'll allow our mind to start going and doing things that possibly it should not be doing. Laziness, and I feel as though as the Lord laid this on my heart this week, is something that, that touches many of us at times because it's kind of a blind spot. Because Think about it. If I was to ask you, do you struggle with laziness? Most of us would probably say no because if we're lazy, we don't struggle, therefore we just don't do it. All right, my, my idea of a joke. But anyway, think about it for just a second. We oftentimes don't realize that we're in the midst of it. The whole point of laziness, it, it, it's, it's what you're not doing that's, that gets you in the wrong. It's what you're not out there being a part of. Some people call it the, the sin of omission. It's not that you're out there uh, raping, robbing, and pillaging. It's the fact that you're doing nothing. That you're just kind of sitting in the background and just rolling along with the flow. It's, not, it, it, it's, it's what you're not doing rather than what you are doing, in other words. If gluttony, think about gluttony. Gluttony, it, a lot of people say, well, that means food. No, really, gluttony means the excess of anything. If you're chasing 
too many things in life that's not what's supposed to be chased. Laziness is about the opposite. It is the failing to chase the right things at all. Laziness is sitting back and, and thinking, well, everybody else can do it. Where pride and, and anger and envy and lust and impurity, those are things that can be seen. Those are things that you can stop and assess. Laziness is, is seen in what you do not do. That's why laziness is so easy of a sin to fall into. You might not even realize that you've fallen into it. You're just kind of going along, doing like you've always done. All you have to do to do it is do nothing. That's laziness. And that's not what God has called us to do, folks. That's not what God has called us as Christians to be. It's always harder to be aware of something you're not doing than the things that you are doing. If you're doing it, you're making a conscious decision. You know when you've argued or rationalized the way why you shouldn't be doing something. You know, I probably shouldn't be doing this or that. But if it's something you're not doing, it doesn't cross our radar oftentimes. When we come to confess our sins before the Lord in our prayers on a daily basis or hourly or however long, we're more likely to confess the, the, the things we've done than the good things left undone. Amen? We'll go and tell him, Lord, forgive me for this, forgive me for that, forgive me for this, and forgive me for that. When in reality, we're not even mentioning all the things he told us to do that day that we just didn't do. I, I kind of like it like this. Laziness is like falling asleep at the wheel. You don't even know you've done it, but yet it's still just as deadly. It's not about uh, what you did. It wasn't that you were speeding. It wasn't that you passed somebody on a double yellow line or anything like that. Those things you can see. It's what you didn't do. You did not stay awake. And because you did not stay awake, it's just as deadly, if not more so, than the things that you had actively done them. Does that make sense? And that's where we fall so many times. We get caught up in that trap so many times. And if there's one thing that Jesus said repetitively to the disciples, and the Bible tells us repetitively as well, is we are to stay awake. We are to stay alert. We should not be falling asleep at the wheel. We should be active. We should be moving. We should be doing. We should be on a daily basis saying, God, what is it you would have me to do this day? And then be about doing those things. In 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, there's a, there's a bunch of Christians who are in huge danger, if you will, of falling asleep at the wheel. Paul's speaking to them. He says, I, I know you know what has been taught to you. I know you know the Lord. But, Paul's reminding them that, yes, you have a, in in this whole book of Thessalonians, he's reminding them, yes, you have a great hope as Christians. You have a great hope of what's coming in the future. You you are to have your focus on heaven. You are to be focused on Christ's return. You are to be focused on who he is. And that's a wonderful thing is, but the problem is this, focusing on heaven doesn't mean that you just sit around and do nothing till he comes. You can be focused on heaven and still be about doing what God's called you to do to further the kingdom. And Paul says that's great that you're focused in the right direction, but you're just sitting on your laurels. He's saying you need to get busy going about doing the the heavenly priorities. You need to get busy about doing what God's called you to do. Yes, stay focused, and it's wonderful. And I I love the way that that Paul, in this letter, first of all, he commends them for their diligence of, of staying focused on Christ. And then he breaks up, but you've got to get up and do something. It means we need to realize all the things that God wants us to be doing. 
We'll get real busy at times, but are we busy about the things God wants us to be doing? Or are we busy about the things that we want to be doing? In 2 Thessalonians, starting in verse 1, chapter 3, he says, Finally, pray for us, brothers, that the Lord's message may spread rapidly and be honored, just as it was with you, and that we may be delivered from wicked and evil men, for not all have faith. But the Lord is faithful. He will strengthen and guard you from the evil one. We have confidence in the Lord about you that you are doing and will do what we command. May the Lord direct your hearts to God's love and Christ's endurance. Now we command you, brothers, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, keep away from every brother who walks irresponsibly and not according to the tradition received from us. For you yourselves know how you must imitate us. We were not irresponsible amongst you. We did not eat anyone's bread free of charge. Instead, we labored and toiled, working night and day, so that we would not be a burden to any of you. It is not that we don't have the right to support, but we did it to make ourselves an example to you so that you would imitate us. In fact, when we were with you, this is what we commanded you. If anyone isn't willing to work, he should not eat. For we hear that there are some amongst you who walk irresponsibly, not working at all, but interfering with the work of the others. Now we command and exhort such people by the Lord Jesus Christ that quietly working, they may eat their own bread. Brothers, do not grow weary in doing good. Verse 11 there, some of these Thessalonians, some of these folks here, these Christians, have decided they can just sit back and take it easy. They're Christians, he says, they're there, but they're hindering the work of the others around them. As Christians, we have been called to be busy. We have been called to share with one another, serve one another, be there for one another, care for one another, be where there is a need. We should be about doing, putting hands and feet and voice to Jesus Christ. He who, that's what he did when he walked on this earth. He made sure that he was where the need, where the need was. Well, if we've accepted Christ and he has moved and, and now dwells within us and we have become the temple, the dwelling place of God, that doesn't mean that all of a sudden God wants to shut down. It means if we're not about doing what he's called us to do, we've locked the doors and not letting him out through this temple. God has called us to go and be, folks, to get busy. We're called to go forth and share the gospel. We should always be wanting to get out there and, and, and do what's best for other people. We should always want to get out there and, and show God's love in a meaningful and practical way. It's one thing to sit back and, and philosophize, philosophize, if that's a word, talk about it. It's the one thing to sit back and just discuss things that need to, need to be done. But it's another, Jesus didn't just sit back and discuss. He was pragmatic. He got out there. He got his hands in it. He went to where the need was, and he was busy whether it was cleaning the Father's temple, cleaning the house of the money changers, or out and feeding the sick, or healing the sick, or feeding or or raising those who were really ill. Whatever it was that God had called him to do, God the Father, Jesus went forth, and he did it. But there's always seems to be those people who will sit back and say, great, I got saved, I accepted the Lord, now I can just sit back and I don't have to work. I'll just drop around every night at my friend's house there in church, And I'll have dinner every night. I'll just hit this one that night, this one that night, this one this night. I'll I'll, I'll live off everyone else. Now, let me throw this little caveat out there. Understand, Paul is not talking about the people who can't work. 
He's not saying those who have medical conditions or elderly or, or things of that nature. What he's talking about here are the people who choose or won't work. They have the capability. God has given them the capability. I think about Miss Diane Fisher. She's in the nursing home now, and with her dementia and all, she can't any longer. But when she was homebound, actually chair-bound for the most part, when she couldn't hardly get out of her chair, you know, she came to me, and you've probably heard me say this before, but Miss Diane came to me and she said, Pastor, if you will give me a phone list, I can't get out, I can't serve in the kitchen anymore, I can't knock on doors anymore, I can't clean the flower beds anymore, but if you give me a phone list, I can do that from my chair. I'll call people and invite them to church. I'll call people and pray for them. That's a woman who, who had every right to say, I've done my duty, I've done everything I had to do, but she came to me, I didn't even think about it, she came to me and said, I'm sitting in a chair with a phone beside me. There's something I can do for the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. She wanted to continue being used by God. And I believe God blessed her immensely in that. We need to be that kind of person. We need to stop and say, God, what would you have me to do? Where would you have me to go? What do you want me to say? In fact, he goes on there in verse 6. He tells the, the Christians, you just need to kind of stay away from those people. Paul said, I set the example. I made sure you understood that, that this is how you're to follow it, that, that you are to work, you're to get out there, you're to, to use your hands. And he goes so far, and, and, and it's very strongly stated in verse 10, if a man does not work, neither shall he eat. I've had people say, well, that's not actually in the Bible. Oh, yeah, it is. Yes, it is. That's not one of them cute little cliches that got picked up here along the way. Paul said it any minute. Now, understand you need to pray about this. I'm not saying you have to do what this person or that person tells you to do. We are to each one individually go before the Lord and say, God, what will you tell me to do? Because in verse 11, he's saying, don't be idle. That's all he's saying. Be about doing the good things. Never get tired of doing what's right. You see, when they're not busy about doing God's work, they become busy bodies. They use their time to go and drop in on everyone else. And what does it say? You, they get in the way of those who are trying to work. Lazy people, sometimes I, I tend to picture in my head, we become vultures. We not just feed on the food, we feed on the lives of all these people as well. Being a Christian means getting out there and, 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 and not being served, but serve. That's what Jesus did. Jesus himself set the example. He came, so he said, not that I may be served, but that I may serve. He who is first shall be last, and he who is last shall be first. Jesus himself came and set the example. When he wanted to wash the feet of the disciples, Peter said, oh no, you can't wash my feet. And Jesus said, then you're not one of mine. Because I came to serve. And Peter said, then wash my feet, my body, wash all of me then. You see, Jesus has set the example. It's not about what I can get. It's about what I can give in the name of Jesus Christ. That's why Paul says never get tired of doing that which is right. Don't ever get tired of doing that which is good. Don't get tired of doing that which is wholesome. No matter how old we may get, no matter how tired we may be, we should stop and say, Lord, what would you have me do? And he may say, sit down, take a break. He may say, go fishing today. You've been busy. He may tell you to sit down and, and take a break right now. But he also may say, hey, the brother across the street needs help. Sister so-and-so needs a phone call. The, the yard up the church needs, needs the trash picked up. Your, your, your elderly neighbor down the road, she needs her yard mowed. He's saying, get busy with what is right. Now, I'm not saying we're not busy. I'm sure most of us in here probably think we lead incredibly 
busy lives, and we do. In fact, we'd probably be first say, hey, we're, we're earning our keep. I'm, I'm, I'm not lazy. Paul's saying, he's not saying that you're not busy. He's saying, are you busy doing what's right? The call isn't just to be busy. It's to be busy about what's right. Don't get tired about being busy doing the right things, doing what God has called you to do. I think so many times if we really stopped and assessed our lives and said and laid down, maybe even write it down so we can look at all the things we do, I think we get busy about our own things far more than we get busy about God's things. You know, I'm, my wife has given, given me, she's not here, my, today's my son's birthday and we're, she's home cooking for a big party afterwards. But she's been uh, lately kind of uh, laughingly kind of poking me. I bought a boat a while back. And now she says, how long has that boat been sitting there? Is it ever going to move? I thought you said you were going to go this and you were going to do that. In my mind, I was going to go and do those things. But now that boat's, I'm almost having to agree with it. Why did I spend the money on a boat? I don't have time to use a boat. The Lord always has me busy doing this and that. I'm not saying God said, doesn't say we can't have boats. But the more I think about it, I probably bought that boat before I really prayed about it. Is that what I'm supposed to buy? Because in my mind, I'm going to go fishing. You know, I, 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 I'm, I'm going fishing. But every time I can go fishing, God says, hey, sister, so-and-so, or brother, so-and-so. And I'm not complaining. It's just sometimes we get our priorities. I want, I want, I want. And when Paul says, do what God says. And the great thing is when you do what God says, he'll let me go fishing eventually. I'll get to do this, that, or the other. The thing is, it's not about what I want to do. It's, God, what do you want me to do? And the great thing is when we come to a spiritual awareness within our lives that what I want to do is the same thing that God wants me to do. That's when I can go and I can enjoy and I can go and be what God's called me to be and know that I'm doing what is right. Paul said be busy about doing what is right. You might be the busiest person in the world but an absolute sloth when it comes to the kingdom of God. You may say, but pastor, I can run down my daily list. I start at 5 o'clock in the morning, and I'm go, go, go. But are you busy doing what God's called you to do? Or are you busy about what you want to do? See, Jesus told a parable about the... the, I'm not going to share the whole parable, but he came and and gave these jars to to the servants. And he said, go and, and do something with these. One of the servants, he just buried his jar. He was busy. He was doing his thing. And when the, Jesus come back, the, the master come back, he said, you, you, you lazy servant. You just buried the jar? Well, I knew you were a wicked man, so I just stood and guarded it. I did what I have thought was best for you. And, and the Lord's like, but you were supposed to multiply it. You were supposed to go and share it. You were supposed to grow it. You had all these responsibilities. And you just sat there and guarded it, and you're going to use me as an excuse? I'm afraid that many times we as Christians, we, we th- God's telling us to go and do and this and that, but we stop and we actually use God for an excuse. Well, you know, if I do that, then I won't, I'll, I'll miss this time or I'll miss that. What are you doing with what God's given you? What am I doing? What are any one of us, what are we doing with the gifts the, the capabilities that God has given us. And you may sit there and say, well, I don't have any. I can't preach from a street corner. I can't fulfill a pulpit. I'm not a Sunday school teacher. I'm not talking about any of that. Whatever God has given you, and I guarantee you that every one of us out there has a gift of some sort, are you using it for the Lord? Again, I go back to Miss Diane. She knew that she could use a phone, and she liked to speak. Between that phone and her liking to speak, boom, there's her job. There's what she could do. 
What are you doing with the gifts that God has given you? God's word is telling us to be busy. Be busy. Be people with a purpose. Not just busy to bounce off the walls. Not just busy like, a, like that three-year-old when they learn they got feet and they're all over the place. My, my little grandson's over for the party and he was last night. The whole button, he's just learning to walk now fairly well. And guess what? All, we have a wall that's all pictures. Every picture from this high up I walked in from my office is on the floor. Every one of them he raked off onto the floor. He was busy. Not particularly what I wanted him to be doing. But he was my grandson. So in fact, my daughter said, we would have gotten in trouble. That's eh, different when you're a grandparent. We're to be busy, guys. Not just breaking things off the walls. We should be busy building the kingdom. God, what would you have me to do? Where would you have me to go? What do you want me to do? He said, be busy about doing what is right. Be a people with a purpose. He said, focus on God, but get out there and be his hands, be his feet. Go out there and preach the gospel. Go out there and share. Go out there, mow somebody's yard, clean up the church, do this, do that. This issue is just as relevant today as it was 2,000 years ago when, when the ink was still wet on the parchment to these Thessalonians. Folks, I'm afraid that we in the church, and I'm not just saying this church, I'm saying the church of Jesus Christ worldwide, we in the church have become lazy, and, and oftentimes we even complain about getting up and giving two hours on a Sunday morning. God, you better be thankful for this. I got up early to give up two of my hours on a Sunday for you. I even had to set the alarm on, God, I'm putting you on notice. You say, oh, I wouldn't do that. How many times did you hit the alarm this morning, maybe? We get in that, we get in that position where we, we feel entitled to, well, God owes me. Sadly, there's a lot of, 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 of freeloading Christians out there. You may say, well, the, Pastor, it's not me. Well, Maybe we do tend to sometimes take advantage of the generosity of others. And we need to stop and ask ourselves, is this me? Who, who brings most of the potluck meals and do you ever bring anything? Who cleans up around the church? Do you ever stop and pick up some of the stuff that's dropped in the yard? Or you just complain about the youth that threw it in the yard? And I'm sure some adults do as well. How about, how about setting up the church every week? Do you come up and help set up the church every week or... Or you just leave that to, to Morgan back there or, or whomever. Are you busy about doing what God's called you to do? Who may, you, when people are sick and homebound, who makes meals? Are you one of those people? Are you busy telling others the gospel and inviting them to church? Or are you just leaving that to others? You see what I'm trying to say, guys? You may not even realize that you've fallen into that spot of laziness. You may not even realize that you're living off the backs of others. Well, I don't go knocking on people's doors every night asking them if I can eat their meal. No, you probably do not do that. But we may be doing it in other ways. And that's what Paul was speaking to. And that's what we need to stop and ask ourselves about this morning. Am I busy doing the things that God's called me to be busy about? You see, laziness is the distance between what you're doing and what you should be doing. And how great is that distance between who you are and who God's called you to be? How big is that distance? We should stop and ask ourselves in the morning. You know, the first thing I usually pray in the morning is, this is the day the Lord hath made, I shall rejoice and be glad in it. But as soon as my feet hit the floor thereafter, I should be saying, Lord, who am I and who do you want me to be? Where do you want me to go today? What do you want me to say today? Where do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? Where is it that I'm going to go? Who are you going to bring into my pathway? We should be praying about how to be used 
by Christ on a daily basis, not just for two hours on Sunday morning. Or if you come to Thursday night service, that, that little bit of time you had there. It should be daily, every day. God, what would you have me to do today? And it may be just say an encouraging word to the guy at the toolbox next to you. It may be to say an encouraging word to the guy that's standing on the street corner. It may be to just say an encouraging word. Maybe your spouse needs to hear an encouraging word from you. I don't know if you looked at the back of the bulletin, but I'm afraid that that might fit some of us guys sometimes. And that's not the way we're supposed to be. We should be lifting up those encouraging words. We should be moving and sharing God. There, there's no room in God's kingdom for busy bodies. The room is there for bodies who are busy. Busy doing what God has called us to do. That's where Paul was focused, and that's where we need to stop and focus. I think we get caught up on the negative. I think we think about God's will and God's word sometimes from the, the, the negative view. That, view. that means uh, we, we know all about all the things we can't do. There are certain things that we know we just should not do. We're, we're perfectly aware of all the things we shouldn't do. Far more so than the right things that we're supposed to do. The world will always come up and point out, well, you say I can't do this and I can't do that. And we had many years in the church, and actually even now many people may still go out and say, you can't do this and you can't do that and you can't do this and you can't do that. We're real good on all the things we can't do. Why aren't we just as good with all the things that we should be doing? We should be going out there and, and telling people, I understand what you're saying about the cannots, but here's the things you can do. We might be tempted to think how godly are because we're not doing the bad things. Oh, you know, I don't drink too much. I'm faithful to my wife. I don't lie. I don't cheat. I don't steal. Man, I am godly. But what about all the things you're not doing that God's saying, ah, I've been telling you to go and witness to the neighbor. He's ready. He wants to hear it. And you're sitting there on your laurels watching the football game. I've been telling you to go and, and mow sister so-and-so's yard. I've been telling you to go down and, and help out at the church. I've been telling you to go and help down at the mission downtown. I've been telling you to get out and that you have a gift to preach. You be, I've been telling you all these things to do. Yeah, you're not lying, cheating, and stealing, but you're sitting there like a potato doing nothing. Even chickens lay eggs when they sit. And you're doing nothing. And so we think how godly we are when God's saying, man, you're about to get a boot where you don't like it. Oh, but God, aren't I a, just a, an epitome of what you want everyone to be? He said, oh, no, bro, you got it all messed up. And I just said, bro, from the pulpit. Sorry. <laughs> Unbelievable. But anyway, if you're just hanging around in the back of the church, Thinking about how, uh, you know, I'm just going to wait till Christ comes back. If you're just hanging out saying, I, I, I'm just going to lay back and take it easy till God returns. I'm just going to lay back and, you know, just ride the wave a little bit. That's not what God wants you to do. Man. God's called us to go out there and be busy. He's called us to go, preach, be active, do something. We should be focused on all the things that we're not doing as well. The things that are good. Or we're going to end up idle. And folks, idle hands and idle brain makes us become busybodies. He said those people who are idle, they interfere with those who are doing work. In fact, those busybodies tend to be those who come up whining on the sidelines. Those who, who are real good about pointing out what everybody else is doing wrong. You ever met any of those people? <laughs> 
We get to be that person that just wants to sit back and instead of getting busy doing what's right, tell everybody else how to do it. That's not what God's called us to do. Jesus came. Paul said, I came. We came to set the example. We don't need to do that for each other. We just need to be worried about ourselves. God, what would you have me to do? Those people, they don't lie, they don't cheat, they don't swear, they don't murder. They also, they don't encourage, they don't get involved, they don't share the gospel. Dying to sin is essential. I understand that. I'm not trying to say that we should, oh, maybe we should go out, rob, steal, and pillage. No, that's not what I'm saying. Dying to sin is essential. We need to identify the sinful parts in our life, and we need to turn those over to God, and we need to cut them out. But folks, let me tell you this morning, if we think that's all God wants from us, then our faith is half-baked. Our theology is only halfway there. Yes, we are to get rid of those things, but like Olivia just showed, down with the old and up with the new, we are to get rid of all that old. But there should be an up with the new creation. We should be about doing God's will. We should be doing what God's called us to do. Not, not, not just dying, but dying and rising in Christ. Rising in Christ means I am now have Christ active and alive within me, and Him active and alive within me is going to go out and be active and alive in the world. We need to give ourselves fully to the work of the Lord and say so on a daily basis. That's why earlier in this chapter, Paul says, Woe to me if I do not preach the gospel. You know why Paul said that? Because God gave him the gift and told him, This is what you are to do. Paul could have sat back. He was an excellent tent maker. He could have made good money. He could have set up a family there on the, on the, on the coastline in Corinth and had everything going. But no, God said, I want you to walk all over Asia Minor. I want you to be locked in jail. I want you to be beaten. I want you to be thirsting. I want you to be uh, all kinds of ugly happen to you because you're preaching the gospel. But what did Paul say? Woe to me if I don't preach the gospel. It ended up costing him his life. But he still said, woe unto me if I do not preach the gospel. Why? Because that's what God called him to do. He said, I fought the fight. I kept my eyes on the prize. I ran the race to the very end. And I did so, preaching the gospel like he told me to do. He, you can say that Paul had this problem and that problem, but bottom line, he was not lazy. And neither should we be, folks. It's easy for us to, to get absent out in the harvest field. Forget that salvation is a gift. Praise God we've been given salvation, but folks, that wasn't an entitlement. It was a gift. And the the one who gave it to us requires us. He said, go ye therefore, make disciples, baptize. We're to go out and, and invite folks to the wedding party. You know, one of the world's most famous pieces of art is The Last Supper by Leonardo DiCaprio. Leonardo da Vinci. An incredible piece of art. A a beautiful piece of art. I think everybody has seen it, either uh, reproductions of it on posters or stained glass windows. or In in our dining room, we have a piece of a tree that's been shellacked with it on there and hanging on the wall there. We have all seen The Last Supper by by Leonardo da Vinci. We've seen the, the things of that picture. We've seen the the replicas of that picture. Well, believe it or not, that work didn't, was not served too well. When Leonardo painted that on the wall over a dining table in a, in a monk's uh, dining room, well, almost about the time he finished painting it, it already started crumbling because of the loose dirt that the wall was made with. Then, a little bit later, 
the monks come in. Here's this work of art. They come in, they cut a doorway that cut off Jesus' feet in that. Well, then a little bit later, it got turned into a stable. So here is the Lord's Supper with the Lord sitting there, this incredible work of art with just the horses looking at it and the smell of the horses looking at it. Now, I share all that for this reason. In fact, and then when it was retouched, too, uh, they finally decided, you know, we ought to spruce that back up. But it was done so haphazardly that one of the monks that touched it back up put six fingers on James's hand. I mean, it just wasn't treated very well. But when I was in my, my minor in, in college, was medieval and renaissance studies, this was one of the things we had to study. And it was amazing to me how many professionals, how many artisans, and how many people were in such turmoil about what had happened to this art. How many people that were so upset that it could be treated in such a way, that it could be treated in such a sloppy fashion. And here's the question that comes to my mind. If they are so worried about how sloppy that picture of Jesus got treated, why are we not even more worried about how sloppy we treat Jesus himself? And folks, I would share with you this morning that when we are lazy and just laid back and just blasé and laissez-faire about what Jesus is and who he is in our lives, we're being sloppy. We're taking the, the incredible picture of Christ that we should be presenting to the world as a beacon of light and showing it like the guy that I put on the back of your bulletin. Just kind of laying around it's like, eh, whatever. That's not the way it should be. If we truly want to be what God's called us to be, then we need to get rid of the laziness. And we need to strive to, to move forward. We need to strive to, to, to live new lives for Him. We need to let the laziness within us die and put in its place a zeal, a passion to work for Christ. The, the passage of Scripture that, that Paul puts forward to us today says that we are to be busy. And if we're, if we're around those who are not, then we should call them on it. We should point it out, you know. I understand you're busy. You burn your clock from 5 in the morning till 10 at night. But are you busy about doing what God's called you to do? Each one of us in this place today, I pray, will stop and ask themselves that question. Now, I'm not saying ask your wife if you're lazy. I'm not saying to ask your husband if you're lazy. I'm saying we, each one individually, needs to look up and say, God, am I doing what I'm supposed to be doing? And if he says yes, then hallelujah, keep on doing it. And understand, again, I can't say this enough. God didn't say that we can't have vacations. God didn't say we did, can't have a break. God never said to work yourself into the ground and burn out. That's not what I'm saying. I hope you don't take it as such. I'm saying on a daily basis, are we doing what we're supposed to be doing? Or are we doing what we want to be doing? Have we put God's priorities first or our priorities? Where are you at this morning? And it may be just one little part in your life that God's convicting you on right now. Praise God. But are you willing to change that one little part? And some of us, it may be an entire lifestyle change. If that's the case, are you willing to do that as well? Because here's the great thing, guys. When we, the more we get busy for the Lord, not only are we doing what's right, but he blesses those whom he cares for and loves. So you'll reap benefits in the, at, at the same time. Now, if you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, the great thing is 
He says he winks at the past. The past is the past. From this moment on, you can make a decision and a choice in your heart right now. If you do not know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, he said, I came so that whomsoever believes in their heart that I am the Son of God and rose from the dead on that third day and professes that with their mouth, so shall they be saved. And then John 3, we all know he said, and whomsoever. That whomsoever means you. It means me. If you truly believe this morning, I am a sinner in need of God's grace, and you surrender that just like Olivia has already done and presented herself to you guys today. If you will make that same decision that that beautiful little child made, then you've equated yourself, as he said in Matthew 18, you came onto the heaven as the way of a child. Are you willing and are you ready? This altar will be open. I'll pray with you. You can pray right where you're at. I don't have any magical pixie dust. That's between you and the Lord. So if you don't know Jesus, I pray you'll make that decision today. If you do know him, and maybe you realize this morning, I am guilty. I have gotten lazy. I have allowed myself just to sit back and ride everyone else's coattails. I have allowed myself just to give up. Maybe today's the day God's saying, we can change that. We can change that. Only you know. And it's between you and the Lord. This altar will be open. I'd love to pray with you. But will you get that straight with him today? You may need to go home and write it all out and pray about it and take a week to meditate on it. I don't know. But are you willing to step in the right direction to the arms of Christ? That's the question. Let's all stand. I want to lead us in a word of prayer. Chris is going to come up and lead us in a song. And, and if God's laid it on your heart to come down, then I pray that you do so. I pray that you do so. But if he's telling you everything's great, then praise God, put a smile, put a smile on your face either way. Because it's your choosing. You get to choose. I choose from this point forward to be what God's called me to be. And what a way to leave out of here knowing you chose Christ. Your decision this morning. Father God, I just come before you and thank you for this opportunity to, to lift you up in prayer. To, 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 I mean, to lift this congregation up in prayer to you, Lord God, and to know that you love us, even, even when we get caught in these traps sometimes, even when we allow ourselves to get a little lazy, you still care for us and you still love us. God, show us the error of our ways. Show us where we need to step forward a little more strongly. Show us where we need to be able to, to go to this person or that person. But allow us to see the parts of our lives that needs to be changed. God, illustrate it to us in such a fashion that we know that we know that it's you. God, I pray your will to be done, Father. Thank you again for Olivia's proclamation to us this day. May you continue to protect her, guide her, surround her with, with loving wisdom. God, may she grow and become even more the young woman that you've called her to be. Father, may you be with each one of us as we go forth to proclaim your gospel. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As we sing this morning, guys, if God's telling you to pray, you can pray right where you're at. You can come to this altar. Sing if he's telling you to sing, but do what God's calling you to do today. Application never stops. He's calling out to you wherever you may be. If, it, if you're in the middle of movies in a little while, whatever, witties, and God says it's time to get on your knees and commit, get on your knees and commit. Wherever it is, whatever it is, the more you're fighting, the harder it's going to be. Might as well just surrender and say, here I am, Lord, send me. 
Amen. Good seeing everybody this morning. Praise the Lord for each one of you. Praise the Lord for those that traveled all the way from Washington and all over to come down this morning. Praise God for each one of you. Continue to lift Ted and them in your prayers and that uh, Lou and all that family get back on the coast well. And guys, most of all, just keep looking up. I don't care what CNN and Fox and everybody tells us how horrible the world is. We serve a mighty God. Keep looking up and serving Him. Amen? Amen. Good seeing everybody this morning. Praise the Lord for each one of you. Brian, would you close us in prayer this morning? Father God, thank you for letting us come to your house. Thank you for all the blessings uh, that we receive, Lord, from you. Uh, though we're unworthy, God, thank you for the blessing of letting us witness uh, Olivia being obedient to you today, Lord. And I just pray that uh, that you will uh, lead us to, uh, to uh, guide us people that are following you, Lord, God is in, uh, in your way, God, is to, to help help her, Lord. God, thank you for uh, being there so we can help you and get this perfect guidance that only you can Be with us this week, Lord, and guide us. Uh, use us in your service, Father, and you forgive us when we fall short. I pray in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Praise the Lord. Dismiss, guys. Go enjoy this beautiful weather. All right, James. Have a good day, son. Be good. Be careful.